0: Hello and welcome to 15 Minutes to Change the World, where in 15 minutes or less, you can learn a bit more about the world and how you can help change it. My name is Lama Al safi and I'm the host of this podcast. This month, we'll be bringing you four special episodes to celebrate International Women's Day as part of our March for Women podcast series. Throughout the month of March, we'll be talking to four incredible women working in different sectors and with different areas of expertise to learn more about women's leadership here in Canada and around the world. As always, you'll hear about how you can get involved by learning from, advocating for, and supporting women to lead. Today we're talking about how women are leading in healthcare, the complexities of the global health system in a post-COVID-19 world, and health equity. Our guest today is Dr. Samira Hussein, the newly appointed adjunct professor at the University of Ottawa's School of Epidemiology and Public Health. Welcome, Dr. Hussain. We're so happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, Dr. Hussein, I wonder, please, if you can tell us a bit about your background and the work you're currently doing.
1: So my specialization is in public health, focused in global health policy, and how that plays out in health systems across the world. It's anchored in health policy and systems research, uh, which is an area I've worked in in numerous countries. Uh, I've done ground-level work in um, Afghanistan in um, Kabul province, I've done work with marginalized communities in the in the southern areas of the Philippines and uh, indigenous groups in Bangladesh, as well as uh, working in multi multi country collaborations um, with other uh, uh, Asian and South American countries, where we collaborate on um, issues that community understandings of health and the barriers to good health and well-being for marginalized communities specifically, but also the dominant groups in those countries. I've done work um, funded by UNICEF and the Rockefeller Foundation. Um, And what I'm really proud to say is that some of my work has also contributed to the development of the Sustainable Development Goals, which I think many of your listeners will be familiar with. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So I'm an adjunct professor, as you said. My passion is bringing the evidence that I worked on building from from my research work and bringing that to the policy table. And that's part of the work I'm doing right now. I'm doing some COVID response with the government of Canada. And uh, it's uh, an honor and a privilege to be doing that kind of work, bringing evidence
0: to the table for policy consideration. Dr. Hussain, I understand your work is rooted in the principles of health equity. Can you please explain what health equity means to our audience and why it's such an important part of the healthcare conversation?
1: Yes, health equity is simply put. It's making sure everyone everywhere has a fair opportunity to reach their fullest potential for physical and mental health, regardless of where they live. Many causes of health inequities relate to social issues, issues. Um, There are differences in health that are unnecessary and unavoidable and, more importantly, unfair and unjust. Uh, They relate to social and environmental factors such as income and social status, race, gender, someone's occupation. And it's important for two reasons. First, because the research says we need to solve the problem of inequity in society in order for people to enjoy the highest attainable standard of health in their communities. And secondly, because... It's very important uh, in terms of the connectedness we have as human beings with each other, whether we're at local level or a global level, as we're seeing playing out in the pandemic um, at the moment, we're all tied to each other and the worst health outcomes will, um, w- will hit us back. So it's in everybody's interest to make an effort uh, concertedly to
0: uh, ensure that health equity is achieved in their community. How has COVID-19 transformed healthcare systems and leadership in Canada? And I wonder, Dr. Hussein, if you can tell us what trends you are seeing, and do you think these will continue post-pandemic? Oh, that's a very good question. Certainly there have been some,
1: if not changes, uh, some things we're noticing more. Um, early findings from a study done at the University of Toronto suggest that women who are healthcare workers uh, have an increased uh, risk of stress and burnout and depression during COVID-19. Interestingly, in Canada, we've had formidable leadership from chief medical officers of health and uh, public health officials. Um, and that's something I think uh, we as Canadians notice. Uh, others across the world have noticed the, the the leadership among women. And I think it is uh, certainly in the workforce, there will be hopefully changes to support women um, and. Sort of the setbacks we experience uh, to delivering on the mandates that we hold as healthcare workers, as public as public health officials, and so forth.
0: When when women are involved in leadership and, and the decision making process in in public health, what kind of difference does that make for society? It does make a very big difference in society. Uh, the research certainly
1: indicates that um, when you have at all levels of um, of healthcare and public health when you have women and uh, women who reflect the diversity of the population that they serve, they bring to that decision-making role a different kind of perspective that does affect their decision-making, which in turn plays
0: out at the population and public health level. Um, we know that, that women make up about 70% of the global healthcare war- workforce. And we also know that in many parts of the world, women aren't consulted or involved in decision making or properly represented in leadership positions. So we've discussed a bit about the, the caregiving responsibilities that some women have who are also in the uh, global healthcare workforce. But what are, what are some of the other barriers and challenges that women face um, who are working in healthcare? And what needs to change critically for them to be properly supported, represented, and included?
1: You know, um, interestingly, in Canada, it's actually 80% of women who make up, uh, 80% of the health workforce is made up of women. And I don't think that this is just a global experience where it's um, something that is experienced by other women in other countries. When you mention the issue of a woman not being consulted or involved in their decision-making, that is not the experience of all women in Canada. Many women and girls experience in Canada structural issues that prevent their ability to make decisions or access appropriate healthcare services. And there are many examples that come to mind um, for myself as a woman of colour um, and an immigrant. Um, but also, uh, but I would say foremost for me, uh, the example of Indigenous and First Nations and uh, Métis background women, whose experiences of health systems across Canada, we have seen in the news, it's so unfortunate. It's been riddled with racism and a number of other structural issues that prevent them from having any kind of agency or very little agency for their own uh, health decision-making. There are still adolescent girls who, are, who don't have agency in making decisions about their sexual and reproductive health. So I wouldn't say it's, a, it's an issue of the other. It's an issue that we have as well. Um, and it's something that I really like to draw attention to in Canada because we often think um, many of the problems that we see in global health are uh, other people's problems. They're not. They're, they're in our homes. They're in our backyards. They're with our neighbours. And I would urge um, your listeners to really bring Canada into that global conversation about women and girls and, uh, you know, those issues of sex and gender and intersectionality. And as for um, women making decisions, um, there are uh, nuanced experiences that women have. Um, we we have setbacks due to gender, due to race, due to socioeconomic status, and organizational culture will have to change in order to accommodate that. Um, and and ways that they can do that are not just directing women to. Um, website. Evidence suggests that financial support, care for basic physical needs for women, m- giving them manageable workloads and access to leisure activities all create a positive impact on how they're able to
0: perform in their healthcare and public health uh, leadership roles. Thank you so much, Dr. Singh. This is um, a very insightful response. And you're right, you know that uh, often we, we look at other parts of the world, but these same issues are happening at a systemic level here in Canada. So uh, I'm very glad that you, you pointed it out. Um, Dr. Sand. what does the future of healthcare look like in a post-COVID-19 world? Um, do you see women's roles changing and if so, how?
1: I think the future of healthcare in a post-COVID world is um, riddled with complexity. We had pre-existing issues going into COVID and some of those have been exacerbated particularly um, the issues that come to light because of inequity, as well as um, infectious disease and antimicrobial resistance. And uh, what we're seeing now is there's a focus on um, the long-term effects after COVID infection, which I think will impact our health system negatively. And we will have to uh, be better prepared uh, for the next pandemic as well as prepared to deal with the onslaught of healthcare issues we will be seeing that are not limited to long COVID, but also mental health impacts and um, the people who have been set back on their cancer treatments and other kinds of uh, non-urgent surgeries. In terms of women's roles changing, I I hope so. I hope there is a greater understanding how important women are to the workforce uh, at large, but specifically in healthcare roles where all of us are in a in a situation where we're working long hours we have other responsibilities outside our professional life so I do see a shift in societal understanding for uh, some of the experiences that women have uh, balancing work and home life um, and some of the insecurities that they face due to job losses and furloughing of their of their, um, their uh, livelihoods Finally, I would say that women's uh, roles will be changing in terms of leadership. We've seen many studies on women's leadership during COVID and the, uh, a recent study that, that uh, analyzed the speeches that women leaders were making in comparison to male leaders, males were using a lot more languaging around a war and, you know, we're waging a war against COVID. We're not in peacetime. Whereas women have been communicating uh, their public health messages with empathy and social cohesion. And I think that, that too has a major impact on um, women's roles as well as uh, whether Women will be pushed more into uh, visible roles that have a lot of visibility, and in terms
0: of achieving social cohesion and behavior change, in, tom- in terms of uh, crisis. You know, this is this is an interesting point that you bring up. I wonder, do you have any idea about the impact that this type of rhetoric, uh, just in terms of this this language that uh, men are using, men leaders uh, such as fighting and war versus? Uh, a more inclusive language does that have an impact on the public trust and perception related to uh, covid nineteen response and and things like this? I would certainly see th- think so. I, I haven't seen any any
1: um any uh, concrete research around this, but certainly uh, in Ottawa Public Health uh, which I follow on Twitter and on Facebook, I adore that communication <laughs> team, and I think dr vera etches uh, is is uh, a remarkable leader in her messaging and uh, acknowledgement that we're you know in the same storm but we're not all on the same boat in this. We all have different experiences and and that um empathy is really important. Uh, it does it does have an impact on the psyche, on the collective well-being of a community uh, to know that that um our leaders are there for us.
0: Dr. Shane, what can our listeners do to help support and advocate for health equity, both at home and around the world?
1: Thank you for that question. I'm very passionate about this issue, so I will just leave you with this. That health inequ- inequities, they reflect power and privilege imbalances along historical, geographic, and gender lines. So, that said, I would say that I would hope your listeners will. Support and advocate social justice, first by modeling that in their own behavior, but also to um, indicate their allyship with others who are doing so. Really at the root of health equity is social justice. So do what you can, be a good role model for your coworkers and for your families and, and show
0: your solidarity with others who are doing the same. Uh, Dr. Hussain, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a sincere pleasure to speak with you and thank you for all of your efforts to help improve health equity within Canada's healthcare system. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Please stay tuned for the rest of our March for Women series as we listen, learn from, and amplify the voices of women leaders in Canada and around the world, such as Dr. Hussain. As always, you can stay up to date on the latest episode of 15 Minutes to Change the World on Spotify, iTunes, and by visiting care.ca slash podcast.